Hello, it's Peter Wright and Kathleen Beauvais in Ontario with episode number 170 of The Yacking Show. This is a show to awaken you to new perspectives for the changing world we are finding ourselves in. And it's certainly changing every day. There's something new at the moment. <clears throat> and <clears throat> it's not my job to introduce guests. So first, let me welcome my co-host, Kathleen Beauvais in Waterloo, Ontario, on a really lovely spring day. We're making the most of this. So welcome, Kathleen. Uh, hi, Peter, and thank you so much. And thank you all to you for joining us. We so appreciate you toning into the show, and we love reading your comments. So do please keep those coming. And if anyone out there is interested in being a guest on the show, please don't hesitate to reach out to either Peter or myself. And as Peter mentioned, we have another special guest with us today. His name is David Sterling. Hello, David. How are you today? Welcome to the show. Hi, Kathleen. Hi, Peter. Thanks for having me. Hi, David. Me. Now, you're coming to us from sh sh near the Chicago area. Yeah, Chicago, Illinois. Oh, all right. Now, you are a veteran of Sony. You're mm -hmm. Today, um, you're going to be talking to us as the COO at Good Gaming, Inc., a creative gaming brand, and we're going to get into that in, uh, in just a little bit. But first, for our audience, can you tell us a little bit about your background and how you came to get involved in the gaming industry? Yeah, I've been in the entertainment business most of my life. Uh, started out in on the technology side, uh, working with emerging technologies to integrate into entertainment experiences. So early on, I worked with uh, what was an emerging technology, uh, fiber optics, to transmit video and audio um, internationally and internationally. Uh, I built systems that uh, transmitted video to television stations and radio stations uh, for the audio side. Uh, I then joined uh, Sony Pictures uh, in business development, where I helped uh, build out their uh, home entertainment package media um, uh, releases. So I worked on the DVD platform uh, when that came out in uh, 98 is when I joined Sony. Um, so we, my group built uh, the hardware um, interfaces with the software. So we built out the menuing systems and things like that. Um, I created uh, a video uh, video game uh, publishing units within Sony, uh, a bunch of other uh, business development initiatives, uh, mostly focused on utilizing those emerging technologies and, and creating new types of interactive experiences for the, the end, end consumer. So for instance, I was involved with PlayStation Home, which was a 3D virtual world on the PS3. Uh, we built out interactive experiences. We did uh, what, we call, what we coined social viewing, which now is becoming something very big, but back then it was something very new uh, where people could get together inside of a 3D virtual space and tech, while, there, while having the ability to voice and text chat, be able to watch something in sync in real time. So mm -hmm. we were having, we had streaming video and streaming audio for users inside of a 3D space where they could actually sit and watch, uh, watch and listen to content in real time while still being in sync. Mm -hmm. um, from there, I, I spun out a company inside of, outside of Sony. Uh, Loot Interactive, where we did work in AR and VR, uh, and still did video game publishing for the PlayStation and the Xbox. Uh, and then uh, recently, I was uh, part of a company 
Chicago for Real, which did, um, we basically created content for the Twitch platform, mm -hmm. uh, live streaming. So we created experiences for um, brands and personalities to come onto the Twitch platform and be able to monetize their content uh, with while building communities around their brand. I joined uh, Good Gaming four months ago as Chief Operating Officer. Uh, they have released uh, good, just some history on Good Gaming. They started out uh, creating tournaments for uh, non-professionals around the Hearthstone property. Mm -hmm. uh, and then um, they built a Minecraft uh, uh, business vertical around that. We're hosting servers and creating Minecraft um, gaming experiences. And uh, most recently in December, they released, this is before I joined, they released the beta for uh, MicroBuddy's uh, um, collect, digital collectibles game. Uh, and then we recently, a couple months, uh, actually about a month ago, we finally finished up uh, the beta uh, sequence of that game and released it into the, the final version. And uh, now we just announced the uh, PFP for MicroBuddy's coming uh, in a couple months. So mm -hmm. we have a lot planned and there's still more announcements coming. Uh, but really, this is a company in transition uh, to from our past where we were kind of uh, setting up uh, gaming tournaments and think tournaments and things like that. And, and now we're becoming more of a, um, a well rounded entertainment company. So we're going to be uh, utilizing all sorts of different platforms first around our MicroBuddies IP, and then we're expanding beyond that. So stay wow. tuned. Wow. That sounds wow, like that's... a fun place to work. Yeah. Wow. Well, we're just getting started. So it's, uh, it's, it certainly is some uh, some big goals, but uh, we have a great uh, IP with MicroBuddies that uh, I intend to uh, start opening up to a much larger audience and start building a brand around that and, mm -hmm. and create entertainment experiences around the IP. Wow. So I, here's a question for you. Someone that, because of my age, I, I was sort of middle-aged before the first video games started coming out. And I can remember those very simple ones where uh, you saying, you know, you know, the very early ones. So when, when you were in the DVD era, when you were developing DVD platforms and all that technology for Sony, did, did you ever believe or think that online gaming, to use a broad sort of term for it, would get as big as it is now? Was that? Oh, yeah. You it, was, it, was a, it was really a, a pinnacle moment in, in, in the platform. When you start talking about, because I, I, you know, I grew up at the very beginning of, of video gaming, home sure. video gaming, right? So the, the transition from arcade to the Atari and the mm -hmm. television and things like that. Yeah where you know you went out to the store you bought the game you brought it home you started playing it and really that was the extent of the experience yeah uh, the, the whole social side of experience was still in the arcade where mm -hmm. you know that that was where you know um, kids of the, that time that was their their social mechanism mm -hmm. but once that ethernet port came on the back it was included in the back of the ps2 and the xbox that really changed everything i mean mm -hmm. pc was already there for, you know, in the beginning, but it was, it, you know, it was opened up to a much greater audience when you, you now were part of a, a, a network, uh, right. your game was part of a network and you had shared experiences. And uh, this goes back to, then you have, then you have things like when, when it went from the PS2 
to basically when it was just more like leaderboards and things like that mm-hmm. to social real-time social experiences like with PlayStation Home and Netflix actually did a, a similar thing on the Xbox. It didn't go very well. It wasn't very successful, that shared viewing thing. All right. But when you can, then you get into real-time gaming and real-time uh, uh, content sharing, content experiences that really changed everything for gaming. I mean, it became, you know, what it is today. It's, it's, mm-hmm. you know, the dominant entertainment uh, platform for humans. I mean, yeah. more people play games than, than do it pretty much do anything else. So, uh, and it's just, it, it's nonstop. My daughter is matter of fact, last night showed um, call of duty now has uh, Godzilla and King Kong involved in their, in their multiplayer gaming which is a great move for you know for those platforms because it brings a whole new spice to the gaming experience sure 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 and that just leads to more sharing right and social media is just that mechanism to be able to share those experiences with others and and and, um yeah to your to your question it changed everything you know once you start integrating social into any kind of experience it's changed forever there's yeah. no going back either. You're no, not going no. back to that singular experience. So that's in essence, that is what's going to happen with crypto. And, not, mm-hmm. and I say crypto, but when I'm saying, when I talk about crypto, I talk about these uh, digital collectibles, right? right? You have that say, if you, if you mirror that back to gaming, it's the same type of experience that came with the PS1. It was just one-to-one thing. You know, it wasn't, there wasn't any kind of dynamic thing going on with that right. but that's starting to change change now i'm with you okay okay we're going to ask you more about that in a yes. moment i think yes back tell to our, kathleen from a- but first tell our audience about data-driven community building wow that that's a lot right that's a lot to talk about there um what's important about first of all it's know your customer right first mm-hmm. you have to know who your customer is because if you if you set up the wrong kinds of experiences, you, your customer is age X. And if you're setting up experiences and you're setting up communication for age Y, you're really going to miss the boat. Mm-hmm. And some would think that, for instance, crypto is really more of a young person's uh, experience, but it really isn't. I mean, mm-hmm. when you start with digital collectibles, that's more people, that's, that skews a little older is what we're seeing, right? Mm-hmm. You're seeing people with disposable income that want to take some of that income and move into, I wouldn't say riskier, but it is is more of a challenge to see if, you know, in terms of an investment, right? Because digital collectibles, I can go on a long time about collectibles, and I don't mean to change the subject around the demographic, but I think it speaks to it. When you have, when comic books, I grew up collecting comic books, right? right? And I didn't buy those comic books because they were collectible. I bought them for the stories, mm-hmm. right? As a kid, I was reading the comics for the stories. And then those stories went from one book to another book, is the next book, the next book. And all of a sudden you had volumes of yep. the story went over three, five, seven different books, seven different uh, numbers of the same title, but also cross different titles. 
And that story became very beloved by the people that were reading it. Flash, flash forward 20, 30 years. And now that story, that, that book, those series of books or individual books is very collectible because mm -hmm. of my experience, the reader's experience back when they were a child. That's right. Yep. So if you don't create that, if you don't, if you don't have that data to your customer and understand who they are and tailor the story behind your collectible, because just because there's one doesn't mean it's rare. It's rare because of the story that's behind it right. and the time that that the, the, the publisher of that collectible spent to build the story around it for the user and, and, and develop that connection to the collectible itself. And then you just let time do its job, right? Mm -hmm. And you keep building that story. So now the first release of that collectible means something to you 10 years from now because it's part of a bigger story, part of a bigger collection. And it only, you know, that creates rarity. Right. So does a, does a child understand that? Does a child understand that this thing is going to be collectible because uh, I like the story? No, it, no. it doesn't happen that way. Not yet. That child has to grow up to understand. I loved reading that entire run of that comic book or whatever it is, or digital collectible NFT, because it's tied into this whole infrastructure of the stories behind the characters and their strong characters and they meant something to me when I when I bought it now it's collectible to a group of people that mm -hmm. one have disposable income and you know they're just older people a child a, a child a teenager it's not going to understand that so no. you have to know your audience in order to build that story so that that becomes a collectible just because it's one or ten or uh, one of ten or one of one or that's just a number right. it's really the story behind it and what you've done with it for your audience um that makes it collectible mm -hmm. right makes yeah that makes a lot of sense and and when you think of examples of that you're absolutely right yeah 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 so um, the idea is what we're doing is we're making sure that we build that story rather than just release items that have low numbers that mm -hmm. doesn't create a that doesn't create a collectible no. right yeah. um, maybe we can just take a little kind of a detour um with our questions and because you've, sure. you've brought it up if if that's okay if you can tell our audience what nfts are so they it stands for non-fungible tokens but it's a new concept for a lot of people out there can you define it? Well, sure. Well, I'll try, right? Uh, it, I'll try. It, it, it's just like anything else that is a collectible, but in this case, it's a digital collectible. It's, mm -hmm. it's a, in, in our case, it's a picture of something that we've created, or we've given the user, in our case, we've given the user the ability to create it. So they've created their own character which is tied to them, which they have a bond with because they're the creator. Um, but it's in a digital realm rather than a physical realm. And it really doesn't have, like for instance, it doesn't have a, a pinned value. The value is all perceived, meaning mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's a low in number. Um, 
and it's, it's traits that make it up. So an NFT is really a digital representation of a collectible that has, that doesn't have a staked value, meaning that value is whatever it is perceived uh, to the user and the community at large. So, in, but in this case, an NFT is digital. So it's, yeah. it's kept on, in, the, in our case, a blockchain and it has a smart contract tied to it. And which is really the key, we can get to that, but uh, you have a, in our case, what amounts to a picture that either has, has been created by a, a mechanism that we've created for our users that they can go in and create uh, their character. So they can, using our, our mechanism, uh, you, you manipulate the traits associated with the character and it shoots out a version of the character that the user has decided they wanted to create. And that becomes, that, that creates that bond between the creator and the item that they have created. So it's their micro butt, in our case, a micro butt. In other cases, sometimes it's uh, computer generated. So a computer would run a program and shoot out a, a uh, JPEG or a picture that has a certain rarity to it because of the traits that are associated with it. And then the smart contract takes over, which is runs on the blockchain and is, is really, I think, the key to the entire process because that smart contract will eventually be able to do things based upon what is happening in the marketplace or what is happening within the project or what collectively happens uh, within uh, the community. And then that could change or evolve the, the NFT into something different or something that has even more rarity. But again, back at the heart of the whole thing is what is that story that drives that value of this mm -hmm. digital collectible? So no longer is, uh, let's say you have, you go online and you download this picture of one of our water bears, for instance. Mm -hmm. um, that really has no value to it because the original has is staked to that um, is staked to that smart contract and is staked to that user that owns it. So that ownership and and uh, uh, traits associated with that original IP is, is is belongs to somebody. Yeah, you could download the same picture, but it's not the same thing. For instance, right. I would I would look at something like a reprint of a comic book is is similar okay. to what I'm talking about. Yes, you have you have the ver you have a version of it but it is not the original. Not the original, right. right. Okay. 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 So Aha. depending on the mechanism that's used to create in this case the picture or the video, I'm sure it's, as it evolves, as this technology evolves, you're actually be able to create video from all these different traits of a project that'll shoot out a version of a story, for instance, that will be unique to that person who created it and that, that file. So you may have a different ending to a story or a different part to a story mm -hmm. or something like that in the future. One thing's for sure is that the, the key to the entire process, in my opinion, is that smart contract because- right that creates variety and uh, differentiates whatever comes out or whatever as time goes on what happens with the project uh, based upon 
what has been happening to the project. Okay. Okay. So I got to ask you to expand a little bit on that one for my sake, as well as our audience. Sure. Uh, this is more complex and an NFT refers more to a digital creation that's evolving than say, let's say this, we, we found a lot of people found a huge amount of value in this show that we're doing right now in this 30 minute interview with David, we think, wow, people are going to pay money for this, but we could license that out. But, but turning it into an NFT is something totally different, correct? Yes, because it would be an original to one, one, the purchaser only, right? So you could license it. They would take that and reproduce it to other places, but where is the ownership? That's the key. Right. So let me go on a step. If we invited one guest to participate in this show, we had one guest who asked you a question, that would make it entirely unique for that person. Right. <clears throat> so that would have value to him, which he might pay for and he could, yeah, could he's, secure he's it as an NFT. This episode, correct. Yeah, yeah correct. because he's the only person who's ever going to participate in this particular episode. That's okay. correct. And you see it with the end, what the NBA did with certain plays that have come on during ah, games. Like, oh, yeah. you own the NFT of that play. Okay. So that play is, you know, you could watch that play on YouTube, but yeah. you don't own that little digital collectible of that play. Of that, that play. was historic in its time, right? right. So that could have right. value in the future. So okay. like a baseball okay. card, but a digital okay. I'm having I'm trouble understanding where the value comes in. So I, I understand that they would own that little piece of, of video footage, of time. Yeah, but, exactly. but the fact that you own it, but everybody else can see it. Right. Where but does the value it. come in? Well, where does the value, I'll pose the question back to you, Kathleen. Sure. Where does the value of anything come from? Well, I would say it's people's because perception. somebody really wants that. People's perception. Right. right? Perception. Yeah. Right. If, if, if let's say I, I go back to comic books, the, the, the first appearance of Captain America, let's just say, which is a character in the Marvel Universe, is Avengers number four. And why is that valuable to anybody? I mean, it's, it's a comic book that came out in, I think, 64. Uh, it's Captain America, first appearance of him. But because of what's happened since then, mm-hmm. Captain America is such an uh, iconic character. It's his first appearance. And you're seeing that as Marvel goes on, these books that are coming out, it's the first appearance of Doctor Strange, for instance, or something like that. It has a movie coming out, right? So why is that valuable? It's, so it's his first appearance. So what? Well, that has no value to somebody who says that. Who cares? I don't care if it's the first appearance. I don't care if it's ten, his 10th appearance. But a fan is going to care. Yeah. Yes. And that creates that creates the value. In it, right? You can't create value without creating the perception of value first within mm-hmm. a group of people. Because otherwise, it's just a number, right? There's mm-hmm. probably, you know, 100 of those comic books left of Captain America number one. And they're in various degrees of quality. And the, the one that's in the best quality still is the one that's worth more, but it's only worth what somebody is willing to pay for it, just like sure. anything else in our society. Sure. Mm-hmm. Why mm-hmm. do people spend a ton of money on shoes? They just wear out, mm-hmm. right? Because they want, 
it's all about status and identity, right? Mm -hmm. I own Captain America one. I own these Mike, the original Michael Jordans. I well, you're all that is is flexing for everybody else around you. That creates that perception of style, value, importance, all those kinds of things that we value as we communicate to each other, right? So I'm walking around with my version one of Air Jordans through an airport, which I, I do have a pair, but I don't wear them to the airport. <laughs> but somebody could see that and go, holy cow, he has a pair of Air Jordans, the first series. That's, that creates value to the person who has that Jordans. Otherwise, they're, they're just an old pair of shoes to somebody else. That's right. That's mm -hmm. right. I, I think cars are an even more glaring example. People exactly. pay mil millions for an old rare Ferrari. And <clears> yet a, a Mustang out of the Ford showroom for under 100000 is going to perform better, go around corners better. The better than car, right? Better, better car, car around. Right. Yeah. All around because yeah. of the technology that's created. But that's not why people pay millions of, of dollars for those cars. I know. I know that's an interesting concept. So, so yeah. this NFTs are still in their infancy. Then this this is going to yeah, mushroom. Like, I would imagine it's the first step into it, right? And when you look at when you look at any kind of industry that started out in a physical world and moved to a digital world, mm -hmm. it it takes one. It takes time for that to happen, of course. But once it starts moving in that direction, it's it's hard to stop. Okay. And if you a perfect example is music, right? Yep. You have uh, in the beginning it was records, LPs, then it moved to CDs, and, and you had eight tracks and cassettes and things mm -hmm. like that. But then it moved to CDs, and then it took that leap to digital. Now, every who buys CDs anymore? Very rarely. But you know who buys CDs? Collectors buy. CDs. Collectors, yeah. Collectors. Right. I sold all my vinyl, which I regret to this day, because it's worth a fortune now. Know, because it never, it never went away. It, yep. it, 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 it almost did. It almost became extinct. But because of this march into digital, um, those things became worth a lot of money. Now, going to something like uh, NFTs, in this case, digital collectibles. I like to use the term digital collectibles because that's what they're that's what they what we're making, and that's what they're trying to be. They're not trying to be a JPEG, a, a JPEG that you can just download off the internet. That's sure. not a product, right? Mm -hmm. These are these are have everything inside of them to make them a collectible, as long as the people that are creating them do the things necessary to make them collectible and create the stories around them and and get them available and knowledge, get that IP. Uh, into the hearts and minds of a vast amount of people that creates collectability mm -hmm. not mm -hmm. numbers yeah no, time, you're will right. care, time will take care of the rest right yes right Pretty you just much have so. to do the right things today when you release them yeah in order to make them collectible in the future and then you start getting prospecting then it's like okay they have the right strategy this thing's going to be worth something just like when i was a kid uh, I love superheroes and I collected the, the action figures. Mm -hmm. well, what was the first thing I did when I collect, when I brought that home to play with it, when I was a kid, I took it out of the box and destroyed the entire value of it. Yes. Put it out <laughs> yeah. of the box. Today you still have, you had some kids that never opened it, bought yeah. it and just looked at it. 
those things are worth a fortune today. <clears throat> so the point is, is that digital collectability is going to move into a digital realm. It's just a matter of time because once mm -hmm. digital starts to seep into anything, it usually just it destroys that physical world sure. that, that that thing was once in. Right? Yeah, yeah. Especially no, you're in entertainment, right. especially in entertainment. Mm -hmm. But but even everything from cameras to fax machines to a whole lot of other stuff, same problem. As it's gone right. digital, right. the old technology's died. Mm -hmm. yeah, and that completely. NFT now can be used by the owner the same way that a pair of shoes is used. Yeah. So my NFT is now a representation. It, it's a flex to those around me in the digital, like on Twitter, uh, Facebook, uh, huh. TikTok, whatever. You'll yeah. see my water bear as a representation. That's my flex in a digital realm. Right. When, I know we're running out of time, but a very quick one. Um, they are tradable, but what are the platforms for trading NFTs? Well, that's, that's a great question. The, the, what, what has happened because of the popularity of this, and aside from what's going on in the market today, but it's obviously become very popular with a certain group of consumers. Mm -hmm. And to support that, marketplaces now have, have sprung up that have been um, have created a centralized area for people to go to, to see a collection, to see what's available. Like OpenSea is probably the biggest one. Uh, OpenSea. Heard of it, yeah. Yeah. So now those marketplaces are a centralized shopping area for people to go and check out collections, see what the the floor price, which is the base price of the collection or the NFT is, and to be able to go shopping in a digital manner. So okay. these marketplaces are going to be, you know, they're already uh, very large, but they're going to become kind of our central place to go shopping for digital goods that in the future are going to be a very important part of our society mm -hmm. and the way that we go about transacting and communicating with each other interesting one interesting yes. well i know we're out of time back to you kissing yes well yes I'm, I'm i'm sorry that um our time is short today david but um, that's okay to have you come back at some point i'd love to yeah, love yeah. To. well yeah. thank you thank you for tuning uh for for coming on the show today and we thank sure. all of you for tuning into our show and once again we love reading your comments so please keep those coming and until next time everyone take care bye-bye yeah goodbye everyone